My least favorite thing to perform at is a charity event where the person who booked me is a fan, but no one else is. <laughs> you like anytime That's that so I'm booked, it happens all the time oh. though. There's so many jokes though that have fallen by the wayside because I haven't written them down and I just maybe go take a week off and don't do stand up. And then yeah. the next time I do it, I forget that little line right? and it's gone. And I don't listen to myself. Like there's many things I could be doing. That oh, you don't listen me... to your own shows? <laughs> no. Wow. Because I don't, I don't like myself. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Welcome back to the show, guys. Got with me the first comedian ever to come on the show and one of the best to do it. Oh my God, thank Nikki you. Glazier, yeah. I'm so, um, I'm so honored. Yeah, I've never had a comedian, but I'm pumped because I've watched some of your stuff. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, and you're starting your tour? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always on tour, but this is the tour that's leading up to a special taping coming up. But it's like the best material I've ever done. I just feel, I've been doing this for 20 years, so I just feel at this like, I guess that expert level where you've done that you're, 10,000 hours. Yeah. I just feel like I'm finally saying the things that I'm, I'm reaching that level that I always like admired other comedians right. to have reached where it's like, man, they can just kind of say the truth of their situation okay. and make it funny. And you're not trying to be funny. You're more just trying to say what you find funny. I think when you first start out in comedy, you're just thinking, what will people like me for? Like, what can I do to get people to like me mm. when and you're fighting the things that are you, you're like, God, why can't I be more like him or more like her? She's so good, he's so good. Yeah. And I think now I've finally, I still don't like myself because <laughs> to be a comedian, you have to have deeply low self-esteem. So I still have that, I have that going for me okay. or against me, but I do know, I lean in more to the things that are uniquely me. The things that I used to think, God, I wish I was like someone right. else. So you're I, not holding back. No, I'm not holding back. And certainly when someone says I can't say something, I kind of figure out a way to do it. I don't mm. really ever want to offend anyone or hurt right. anyone's feelings or trigger anyone. And I and I don't say that like and trigger anyone because I do think that people can hear a certain word or it can cause them some trauma response based on their experience. And everyone's entitled to get offended or triggered. Um, and I will apologize if someone like writes me after a show and is like, I had to leave because you were talking about molestation. I'll be like, here's your money back. I don't want to ruin your night, but I'm not going to not talk about that stuff because a couple people might have had an experience right. with it. I think more so I have people coming up to me saying, I was thank you for talking about that. So mm. frankly, because I have I just like to talk about things that people might have shame about. And um, and those things might be triggering also. I yeah, I think you're just presenting the topic and, and then it's their choice how they interpret it, right? Well, so, I think you're right. Like, I, I think just the word, if I could say, if I say the word mm -hmm. like in a joke and it could be not, obviously not about the victim of it or it's just mentioning that it exists in the world, that word alone could have someone go into a panic attack state, just right. hearing about something that happened to them and hearing that word. And that must suck to like go throughout your life worried that this word might come up and send your body into a trauma response that you can't help. Right. Um, that would suck. So I, I never like to have anyone feel that way at shows, but of course it's probably happened. And um, and, and I probably upset people by saying certain words that trigger them. But I this I just think it's, that doesn't mean I shouldn't talk about because guess what? It's happening a lot. And yeah. although it's never happened to me and that's probably one of the reasons I can talk about it and not have, a problem talking about it 
it's something that I still fear and it still could happen to me. Mm. I'm not giving up yet. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not that I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying I'm still very capable and you can't take that from me. Got it. Man, you've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. I feel like not a lot of comedians last that long, right? No. I mean, you mean they, they themselves? No, not that. that point? Just, <laughs> they drop out. Yeah, they give up because it's a tough space. It is. You know, I don't know if I would have, I'd still be doing it or trying if I was at a, a level that I'm not, that I'm at now. You know, if I think there is a point that I probably would have been like, well, this isn't, people don't like this, right. clearly. And I would have maybe read the room and, and gotten out of the game. But um, I, because I've been successful, it's been easy to stay in it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a great job. You yeah. know, if you can make money at this, and I mean, it's awesome. You get to meet the most interesting people. You get to be famous by being yourself. Yeah. Like my, I didn't have to prepare anything to come in here. You know, I didn't have to research anything. I don't have to be smart. I don't have to be like a <laughs> scientist. I mean, I have to have jokes for my act, but really that is just an extension of just being myself. I don't have to learn lines. Yeah. I don't have to act. I don't have to go train to, to, I don't have to work out. You know, there's a part of my job that's staying presentable because I'm on TV and looking nice, but Generally, being a comedian is a, a great job, although we are more, you know, we're prone to depression and dentists and veterinarians. Oh, yeah. I yeah, did I think hear so. that, actually. I think a lot of comedians drink and. Yeah, I think because I I think that being a comedian is um, a desperate attempt to get everyone to like you. I mean, wanting fame. Comedians might say that they're not after fame, but they're after making a room of strangers laugh. Mm -hmm. And what is laughter but validation that like, I like you, like, <laughs> like. <laughs> Everyone wants that feeling of like someone laughing at something you said. It's, it's a good feeling. Oh my God. It's, it's right now. I just got a shot of dopamine just hearing my <laughs> own laugh, thinking about receiving that because it feels so good. It's like a drug and it makes you feel wanted and loved. So yeah. I think um, a lot of comedians come from damaged homes or homes where they didn't feel loved. My parents loved me a lot, but just not enough. Like right. they always get mad when I talk about this because they're like, we loved you. We were, they're the greatest <laughs> parents ever. My sister is a teacher. She has kids. Like we're not up. Yeah. I'm a little up, but it's because I just needed more. It wasn't enough. Most people would have been very satisfied with the amount of love my parents gave, but I was like, yeah. I need more. I think you got to be a little up to be a comedian. I think so. If you're a normal comedian, I don't think you'd be funny. Yeah, it's kind of boring and you have to you gotta be a little depressed or look at the world in a negative way because that's kind of what we're up there doing is calling out things that are like, why is it this way? What's the deal with this? Just always kind of cynical and and judging things. Yeah. You kinda gotta be in a negative headspace. <laughs> Although when I get really depressed, I don't think I'm very good at doing comedy. It's it's yeah. you can it it you can because I'm prone to depression and when I'm depressed, it's just you're you're not even laughing about life. You're just sad mm. about it. So I think that um, comedy is a way out of depression to to laugh about the things around you. So I, but sometimes yeah, it's hard. To yeah. So were you like from the start, or like did it take no. five ten years to kind of build up? I told my parents when I first started that they needed to like emotionally and maybe financially support me for seven years. I have wow. said, and they were like, "What is what are you talking about?" <laughs> because that seems like a weird specific number. I just knew, I just knew I wasn't good at, to start. I knew I had potential, you know. When you start in something and you're fresh, you you have a knack for it. Like I definitely got feedback being like, hey, stick with this. You have something, okay. you have a natural affinity towards this, but are you gonna be as good as a headliner that's been doing it for 10 years when you first start? Rarely, there's kind of like those phenoms you hear about, the Chappelle's, 
I think Michael Che also started Matt really. Matt Rife. No, Matt Rife's been doing it, man. Oh, yes? been, He's been doing it probably eight years at this oh, point. Oh, he looks so young. I just he thought he was so just young, starting. so young, but I think he's got the years to, to, there's just no way he'd be that good right. without the experience because you just don't start out that way. He definitely probably started out and was decent for his level, but comedy's weird because let's talk about musicians or actors. You can start when you're a, a child. So mm -hmm. you can get those 10,000 hours in. And by right. the time you're in your mid twenties, you're an expert. You're as good as you're ever gonna, you're, you're, you've been doing it forever. Yeah. Um, but you can't start comedy when you're a kid. That but makes sense. You yeah. can't get into clubs until you're 18. So right. that's when you start and you need about 10 years until you're wow. really good. So 28 is around the, the age where you start to see people pop because it takes Damn. that long. 10 years. Wow. Yeah. So never expect anyone out of the gate to be great. And I always tell this to comedians starting out, don't compare yourself to people who've been doing it 10 years or longer because that's what you compare yourself to. Mm -hmm. Shoot for that. Aim for that. Know that that's down the, the road from that you can reach that, but it's gonna take time and you're gonna suck for so long. Yeah. And I did, you know, I didn't suck, but I, I compa compared to the people that were doing it as long as me, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tried to do is just always compare at my level. Don't go to the, you right. know, cause then I'll get depressed of like, how could I ever do an hour on stage? <laughs> I can't even remember three minutes. Like there was times where I, I remember thinking that and, um, and now I can do an hour and a half without Think about it. It's a long time. It's a long time. And are you coming up there with a script or are you just no. improvising? It's not. No, it's definitely stuff I've said before, but okay. I don't really write anything down. I don't know why my brain works this way, but I can just kind of remember jokes, almost like lyrics that I've so you're heard like Lil forever. Wayne. <laughs> yes. You don't it's, write down anything. I, does he not write down anything? No. It's insane. Yeah. That That's crazy. <laughs> Even though I do it in my own way, I write like, um, you know, if it's a joke about shit, I'll just put like in my phone so I like know the topic there's so many jokes though that have fallen by the wayside because I haven't written them down and I just mm -hmm. maybe go take a week off and don't do stand-up and then yeah. the next time I do it I forget that little line right and it's gone and I don't listen to myself like there's many things I could be doing that oh you don't listen me... to your own shows <laughs> no wow because I don't I don't like myself <laughs> I don't want to hear that <laughs> you know like I don't know what it's like I don't listen to my own podcast I don't like because it's already done and I can't change it. And I guess yeah. I, and I know the best football players watch tape. Like you gotta watch tape and I should do that. Mm -hmm. When I do, I tend to learn things, but it's torturous for me because I just don't. Uh, I will agree with the podcast one. I'm a little self-conscious about listening to myself on podcasts. Yeah, yeah, it's wild because we're doing this because we want people to consume what we do. And we have a belief in ourselves somewhere in there that mm -hmm. this is worth listening to. Not for me, though. I don't want Something hear about it. hearing your own voice, it's like, it makes you cringe sometimes. It's funny. I can watch myself on mute, and I'm not someone who's, like, vain. Like, I'm so hot. I struggle with my own, like, you know, body dysmorphia. But it's so much easier for me to watch myself on mute <laughs> and just read my lips and go, oh, that joke was good, than to wow. hear my own voice. But I think, I think that's a relatable thing. I don't think we're meant to hear our own voice. Yeah, we're not built for that, man. I don't think in caveman, <laughs> in caveman days or whatever, you would at least see your reflection in the pond or like the water so maybe that we're used to that and it doesn't bother us as much as you would probably not hear your voice a lot yeah absolutely you know and it sounds so much different than in your own head when yeah. you speak so what's your creative process because i know stealing jokes is a big no-no in your space so oh. how do you get inspiration for creating your own content and jokes oh yeah um i would say it starts out, well, I started out being like, what do you even write about? People were telling me I should be a stand-up comedian. I'm like, where do you start? That's so weird. 
And I, the best thing I did for myself, and I tell this to younger comedians, is write for someone you really admire. Mm. For some reason, it's easier to do work for other people. Do you relate to that? Like, I'd like to clean someone else's room than my own, or I'd like to do someone else's homework. Even in school, I would like to do my sister's homework, but yeah. not my own. I think I'm too selfish for that. I don't. I don't think I do that. Interesting. Okay. But you're more. Helpful. Yeah, I don't know why I've, I've always been, it's been easier for me to do someone else's job than my own. Okay. And so I thought, okay, what would I write for if I had to write jokes for Sarah Silverman? You know, she was my idol when I first started out and remains still uh, someone I really look up to. Um, but I remember my first jokes were like, okay, I'll just write for her. Mm -hmm. Because usually the person you're admiring is kind of the closest to what your voice is anyway. Right. So you kind of get there. But um, now I just wait for moments where I'm in conversation with friends or I'm, you know, blow drying my hair. And so my mind's kind of wandering or I'm in the shower or driving, you know, those moments where just you're, you get in that flow and you just think of it like, oh, something funny. And then you just hopefully write it down right. because convincing yourself that you're going to remember it does <laughs> not work. It will never work. Yeah. And so it's weird to be like mid conversation and be talking and then the person's saying something back and you go, hold on one second. I just have to write down what I just said right. because I'm so clever. And I think thousands of people need to hear this. Like, it's kind of a, a cringe moment to do that. <laughs> but you you have to do that because there's nothing worse than having this moment where you're like, that's the greatest joke I've ever written. It's so good, I'll remember it. And then you don't. Been there. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah. So I, I that's really what it's about is just paying attention all the time and being ready for something to, you know, come in. And then you jot it in your phone. And then I'm backstage at a show. And I have my material that I've been doing forever or that I've been working on that I kind of just on the top of my head and then I look through my phone at my new stuff and I'm like okay how can I work in some of these thoughts and um and hopefully I'll remember them when I'm on stage I kind of review and then they kind of just creep in mm. um nice. but it's really it doesn't make any sense my my I, I, there's much better ways yeah to conduct the creative process for me that would make me much more successful but sounds they like just, your mind's just all over the place I'm just ADD you know and right. I think it's served me in a lot of ways but I think that I know the right, the best way to be a comedian is to come off stage and go, what worked, what didn't, talk about it with someone, mm -hmm. go over it right after you're done with the performance because it's fresh in your mind. But I don't want to focus on the stuff <laughs> I just did. I want to go eat dinner and, yeah. and celebrate that I'm done and relax and kick off my shoes. And it's, I could put in a lot more work off stage, but most of, most of my work is just on stage. Makes sense. Do you still get insanely nervous sometimes? No, you know, I think the nerves went out the window couple years in when I get nervous is when you know I have my manager or an agent there or something or I have um you know there's like a celebrity in the room that I'm like oh I'd like to impress this person or there's just a a guy I like or I don't know you know just someone whose opinion of me I care about mm. so much but generally or something's riding on it like I'm not good at auditioning right I don't audition for things anymore because although I'm good when I get the role and I can really nail it because I have the confidence when I'm trying to win someone over and convince someone to like me it's really it gets the best of me mm. so when I'm having people pay to come see me I'm not nervous because they've already invested in me and they trust me and so I feel like oh I'm just performing for friends there's yeah. there's not a nervousness about it I feel that what's your uh most favorite place to perform at and least favorite I wish I had a good answer to this but honestly my least favorite thing to perform at is a charity event where the person who booked me is a fan, but no one else is. <laughs> you know, like anytime that's that so I'm specific. booked, it happens all the time <laughs> oh, though, where like one person's in charge of booking the ta the talent for like maybe their college. It could be just that, like that, or okay. just 
or um, you know, their country club and they're in charge of entertainment and they're like, I've been a fan forever. I hear, hear you and Howard Stern. They know me from something. Or they're like, I know your roasts. And they book me and then I come and I do my stand up and it's nothing like my roast. And everyone's kind of just like offended and confused. <laughs> That's not the right audience, right? Charity right. You event. want you want everyone to like kind of be on board with what they're yeah. seeing. And so I think the best crowds are like, I don't know. I, I really love performing in LA at the comedy store, improv, mm -hmm. and then New York Comedy Cellar and you know, Laugh Factory. Just all the clubs where people go comedy fans go to right. when they're in the coolest cities for yeah. comedy. Yeah. Has there ever been any like super tough crowds that you remember where you couldn't get anyone to yeah. I had one last night. Actually. Oh, last night? Yeah, I had two shows last night, and one of them I was just like, ugh. In they Vegas? Were just, no, no, no. I was in LA last night, and okay. it was um, just they were just didn't. It was just a bad vibe in the room, and I was kind of coming. I had just like taken a nap and woken up late and just gotten there, and my <laughs> vibe was off. I never blame them because right. it's something I'm doing wrong. So it was just a bad feeling where I was just like, well, that wasn't impressive. And I definitely left people going, she's supposed to be like good like what was that <laughs> and i was trying out some new stuff but uh i left really that's kind of the fun thing about stand-up is like you can bomb like you did your first year like still 20 years in and wow. makes you question everything so but that i needed that because sometimes you get too cocky and you're yeah. like i don't really even need to try and then all of a sudden i was like well humbled you i gotta try on this next one so the next set i just walked across you know it was at the improv and it was the next room it was the bigger room and I had actually people there that had never seen me do stand up before, but that were like the executives for the CW. Mm -hmm. That is the, uh, I do F Boy Island and they air uh, my show, F Boy Island. And, and so they had never seen me do stand up, I don't think. And I was a little nervous of like, oh God, I can't bomb in front of them. They're not going to take my job away, but it would yeah. just be awkward because I have to talk to them afterwards. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the worst. Okay, Sean, <laughs> that's the worst is when you have to talk to someone after your set and you have a bad set or you just have like a an okay set and they're like yeah. that was amazing and you just know it wasn't yeah. but you can't say that because you have to be confident because confidence is attractive and you have to always appear like yeah that was great it's so um that was scary to walk into but then i, I had a really good set because nice. I, I think I, the one kicked my ass before and i was like okay pay attention like yeah. you you think you can just like own this place and walk in and do whatever you want no you have to like try a little bit yeah so it, it ended up being good. But if those would have been reversed, I'd be in like a sad mood right now. <laughs> that makes sense. Are there are there any comedians you really look up to? Like you study them and you really like what they do? Honestly, yeah. I, I just got, I was having a little bit of a writer's block recently or just having a moment of like, what am I even doing anymore? And I'm trying to develop new material for this next special and feeling stuck and I wanted to be inspired. And so I revisited uh, Louis CK's, like all of his albums I listened from I actually went backwards, most recent, and then went backwards oh, wow. to like, you know, 2003 or something. I don't even know. It's really far. It was like 10 or 11 albums. And um, and he's just the best to ever do it. And really someone that I um, had stayed away from for a couple of years, I guess, because of all the controversy. I and I was that, kind yeah. of just like, I don't know. That kind of bummed me out. And I was like, Man, I thought I like really, tr I trusted that guy to like always tell the t truth and it doesn't seem like he was really telling us the truth. But then I went back and listened to his albums and I was like, oh, he was telling us the truth. <laughs> it was all there. He f***s off in front of people a lot throughout oh, his, his albums. Oh, yeah, it's all over the place. And, um, but not to, not to say that I'm not hmm. saying what he did was okay or anything. I'm just saying it, it shouldn't have been such a shock to us that that happened because he is pretty damn authentic with who he is on stage and he might not be that great of a guy and he's mm -hmm. kind of just saying it like it is up there and he he has told us that that he's 
We should not have expected him to be an upstanding citizen in that way. Yeah. And what I what I just he's the best stand up I think. Wow. Going and yeah, you're nodding. You get it. Like he's just there's no one else that's just so he's the first guy. And now this is a, a thing you see all the time where people call their kids and complain about their kids and say like she's such a bitch, like yeah. about their three year old daughter. He was the first one to do that. He pioneered it. Yeah, where you go, oh my god, this guy just called his daughter an and she's three. It was insane, but now it's like caught on, like because everyone does think their daughter. Right. So there's a lot of things that he he did pioneer, like you said, of um, of just these thoughts that everyone's been struggling with and no one has been able to really articulate. And I think that really inspired me because I think there's, although I'm so outspoken and there seems to be no filter on me, there are things that I'm deeply ashamed of about myself and the way my brain works mm. that I still have not been able to make into jokes yet because I'm so embarrassed of the way I think or like wow. I had that thought. And in listening to his album, I was like, I'm just gonna start trying to put that stuff out there even though it scares me to tell an audience that I've had this disturbing thought mm. about wanting to hurt someone or wanting to to hurt myself or whatever it is um and it, it worked it like it it really worked like um immersing myself in his albums and then also john mulaney i think mm -hmm. is just one of those people that uh is just the one of the best comedy writers nice. ever and, and stand-ups in, in terms of just writing st and just uh you know sp taking a joke and just sponging it out and getting every little morsel out of it and um and not wasting a single line yeah and, and there's no filler yeah he's like really zoned in on it locked in basically yeah he's just he's put you can tell that guy gets off stage is going to his notes and going what did i do on right that time and before set he's going over his notes i mean i've seen it kind of happen right. backstage before and i've kind of noticed oh he's on his laptop when i'm over here you know, eating pop, skinny pop or something, you know, and skinny just trying pop. to. You're vegan. I, I did some research. <laughs> yeah, I am. I want to ask on tour though. That must be hard. Like, no. especially when you're in the. No. Really? In the it's South? Not, like it's, it's all so like. It's so easy. Thai food. Thai you just food. do Thai food. There's always just veggies and tofu. Okay. Asian cuisine always has tofu. Got it. Nowhere else does. So they always have something. I really don't struggle with it that much. And then the, I think the more big, the bigger you get, you get a rider and you have like a list of things that you want backstage for you. Wow. But I always have like protein bars and stuff. Like I'm not one of these vegans that puts people out by going like, we have to go to a vegan restaurant. Like I usually don't actually suggest that for people <laughs> who aren't vegan because I don't want people to be grossed out by veganism or whatever. I don't want to shame people for not being it. Although I, I do yeah. at times because you know you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, yeah. There's no question. I mean, I get what you Morally, do it. Right. I was not a vegan forever, but there's no question that harming animals that have the same intelligence as your cats and your dogs, your beloved cats and dogs, and we ruin people's lives if we find out they even hit a dog or right. kick a dog. Yet there's pigs and cows who are either equally as intelligent as your dog or more intelligent, and we are putting them through a life of suffering. They don't see one second from when they're born mm -hmm. to when they're, even when they're conceived, they're in stress. Their mom is in stress because she's locked in a thing and someone's, you know, f***ing her with a test tube or whatever they're bred. Yeah. And then they're they, they're born. There's not a moment where they go, mama, mama. They're <laughs> stolen right away as little infants going, where, where am I going? Their whole lives are filled with fear and just terror from the second wow. they wake up and then they become numb to it and then they're just robots because they're being tortured and they have to just disassociate and then they're murdered so murder is the best part of their life when someone's like i'm sorry i'm eating this steak i'm always like don't be i'm so happy for that 
cow, that it's out of its horrible life that it had before it was yeah. The bullet going through that cow's head was the pinnacle of his, his, its existence, yeah. that its suffering was over. They shoot them? Oh, yeah, they shoot them. Oh, wow. Yeah. What do you think they did? I don't just, know. Like, I thought they cut their them... neck or something. Oh, yeah, maybe they do that too, which doesn't sound any better. <laughs> I would rather be shot than have yeah, my neck good point. sliced. I didn't know they were smart as dogs, though. That's, that's going to make me think a little more. I'm not going to lie. They're... Dogs are kind of stupid. They're really My dog's intelligent. Pretty smart. I'm, I'm sure it is, but I'm just saying they are. They are capable of. Um, and even if they're not, like, why do we? We don't. If a human's less intelligent than another human, we don't like treat them worse. That's true. So why are we even? Just because something's stupider doesn't mean it doesn't want love and comfort. And and I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad about what you're doing because. I'm not a perfect vegan. There are times where I've done like a weed gummy and I know it has animal bones in it or whatever. And I go, well, I'll make the exception. Or, you know, I step on a bug and I'm like, you know, you're, you can't be perfect. Or, But all I ask is that you just acknowledge the pain that this animal that you're eating and going, I don't like this chicken. Ew. Like, just acknowledge that that was a bird that like wanted to live. Fair. And, and it doesn't mean you're a bad person or going to hell. Just if you just think about it a little bit. Fair. You know, I'll like agree with that. chickens I stopped eating because I was like, oh, I had parakeets growing up. And if someone would have ever done this to my <laughs> parakeet, I would have killed them. Yet it's okay to do to chickens. It doesn't make sense. So I, that's what made me a vegan. I miss eating meat. I miss eating cheese, all the things. I just can't do it because I, I just think about those animals. But if you are not vegan, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. I think you're probably just in denial because if you think about it too much, you wouldn't. Be. If you saw the footage, if you saw what's happening to them, you wouldn't be able to do it because no one would. It's a, yeah. it's a psychopathic thing to be able to do. But we disassociate. We we put up the blinders, and you have to because it tastes so good. It does, it does. Yeah. I want to talk about F Boy Island. Yeah, please. That is the, one of the funniest concepts I've heard for a show. How did you get involved with that? It exactly the way that you're describing. Like, <laughs> I saw the name of the show and the concept of it, like just in a paragraph. Yeah. It was in an email with a bunch of other shows that my agents were sending to me, being like, "Hey, they're looking for hosts for these shows." And I had told my reps, like, hey, can I stop, like, going out for acting roles and things? Because, I don't know, I'm not getting them. I'm not good at – I like being myself. Right. This isn't – like, I'm a comedian. Like, I've made my – my whole career has just been being myself. Why am I trying to act? It's something I can do, but it's not as interesting to me. And, I, and then I realized all the shows I watch are reality shows. Like, I like scripted stuff, but I'm mainly a reality show gal. Like, mm. that's the entertainment I'm consuming. So why am I going out for things I wouldn't even watch? Right. So I just told them, if there's a way for me to get into the reality space, either being on a reality show or, you know, hosting one, let's do it. So then they sent me all these things, and I saw F-Boy Island, and I was like, what is that? Because it's funny. Already it's funny to yeah. name a show that. And, um, and then they wanted me. It was the first time in my career that – or even in my like romantic <laughs> life that something has wanted me yeah. as much as I want it. Okay. It's it's never happened that way. You know, romantically when you're pursuing someone, there's always someone that wants someone more. One it was the first time so the show was originally on HBO Max, now it's on the CW, but when HBO had it, HBO wanted me just as much as I wanted them to host and there was a lot of people up for it, but they were like, I think she can do the best job at that night. Nice. And they let me be myself and So no um, script, you're just saying what's on your mind. I mean, there's there was a script, but I got to write it. Oh, okay. so that was the nicest thing. Nice. It's just you go in. It's so easy. Like yeah. my my career is easy. I get to go <laughs> on stage. I don't have to memorize lines. I don't. You know, there's definitely things that are difficult about it. But F Boy Island, I just got to watch a reality show happen in front of me, which is already what I would. I watch this show if it 
if I wasn't on it. Yeah. And then, and in real time, I get to watch it and watch and see if it's actually, is this fake or is it real? It actually is real. Like, oh, yeah? People really do fall in love. And, um, and then I got to just comment on it and make fun of it. And that was the, <laughs> that's what makes F-Boy Island different. Yeah. Is that there are people on this, this is the two things that make this show different than any other reality dating show. First of all, I'm making fun of everything the whole time. Like I'm I'm saying to them, like, we really hope you find true love on the show. And by reality dating show standards, that's about two months after this airs. Right. We you'll break up. That's true love on the you know, like we acknowledge this thing isn't gonna last. Mm -hmm. We hope it does, but like let's the, the yeah. writing on the wall. Has anyone No one's or? on a reality show to find love. Right. Who? That's the worst way to find love ever. They don't last. But I also say that yes, no no one's lasted yet. Okay. But what most people who are hot 20-somethings, those relationships don't last, like even on the outside world. Right. So I think about our, you know, our success rate has been about the same as... The Bachelor. As, no, <laughs> it's just like anyone's life, you know? Like most people you date, it doesn't work out. But people do fall in love. And yeah, The Bachelor has had many more years to be on and prove itself. But our show, um, people do fall in love. I mean, it's it happens in, you know, 10 weeks. And all you're doing is talking about the person the whole time. You have no phone. You have no job. You're staying at a resort. And all you're doing is dating. Wow. And all you're doing when you're not dating is talking to producers about the people you are dating. So <laughs> can you imagine how – like anyone would fall in love that – Yeah. You just it, – it would happen to anyone. People go, I would never do that on a reality show. I would never fall in love like that. It, you really would. It's almost like we've got it down to a science. Yeah. And it, and it it's like um, I compare it to zoos. Where people go, I don't watch reality shows because they're fake. And I'm like, do you go to zoos and go, this is fake. It's like, these are real animals and these are real uh, relationships. But yeah, we're, the pandas are having sex because we put the pandas in a habitat together. Right. So would they have found each other on the outside world? Maybe not. Um, but we put them in captivity and they're mating on their own. We're not forcing them to. Yeah. So that it's just we're putting them into habitats that are conducive to mating. That makes sense. And yeah. then the other thing on our show that's different is that there are shows where there are guys who are pieces of and they come on with, you know, less than good intentions. You know, they're not really there for the woman. And we all know that, but they don't say it. <laughs> on our show, they'll say it. And they'll oh, yeah. go, I'm not here for her, I'm here for the money. They'll tell us, but they won't tell the girl. So <laughs> as you're watching the show, you know which guys are pieces of that are there lying. Uh... And then you watch them go on these dates and like, lie in real time and it blows your mind. It's really interesting. Yeah, wait, so how do they win the money? So if they trick the girl into thinking that they're a nice guy, so they're F-boys and they're nice guys, yeah. and they're a big batch of 24 guys, and there are three girls looking for love, and they date all these guys, and half the guys have declared, I'm an F-boy, and I'm here for the money, I don't care about love at all. Some of them change their mind because they do fall in love with these girls, mm -hmm. and they go, actually, I, I think I was scared of intimacy, and <laughs> I was an F-boy because I never trusted love, and now yeah. I finally trust, and they turn things around. But... The the goal is is the girls want to pick a guy who is going to choose them over the money. If they choose a nice guy, they split the money evenly. Mm. If a nice guy comes in and then they choose him, they split the money. There's a hundred grand on the line at the end. If they choose an F boy, they know it's an F boy by that time. It's been like revealed. Sometimes it isn't, but sometimes it is. They'll choose an F boy just hoping that he has changed his mind because every F boy that says I'm an F boy and gets caught by the girls of being yeah. an F boy says, but I've changed. I came in here not expecting to meet you. Right. And the girl wants to believe it so much as we all do in normal life where we know this guy is a scoundrel and we probably even got with him because he was cheating on his girlfriend, but he's not gonna do that to me. He's changed. We wanna trust that guy. So then all the money, if, if I'm a girl on the show and I choose an F boy, all the money then goes to him, 100 grand, and he can choose to split it with me 
or he can take it all for himself. Wow. And that's on the final episode. That's and funny. guys, straight up, take all the money. And <laughs> these girls put all their trust in them and oh. walk away 50 grand with they've given up this 10 weeks of their lives and they walk away with nothing Ooh. because they've trusted this guy who has lied so well. Wow. And I play the game too. I don't know who is who. And so my heart gets broken too. When at the end of this, where I've been like, Garrett, you lie. Like, Oh, you have no idea. No idea. I wanted wow. to stay out of it because I don't want to be up there pretending to be like, oh, do you, do, Katie, are you sure you want to pick him? Like, <laughs> I don't want to know because I don't trust myself to not give it away because I want these girls to pick the right guy. Right. So I wanted to be just as invested in it too. That's and play the cool. game. And it's kind of fun. I like that. I'm going to yeah. check it out. That's super it's cool. It's awesome. It's on the CW um, on Mondays. It starts October 16th. It's one of those shows that, um, you know, a lot of guys come up to me and say, I've never liked a dating reality show, but this one's awesome because everything that you want to make fun of about it, I'm making fun of. I'm yeah. calling it all out. I'm calling these guys b I'm making fun of what they're wearing. I'm making fun of how they dress. I'm making fun of what they say, how they talk. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, there's someone representing you watching at home being like, this is such b And so I'm like, cool. I go, this is b You know, so yeah. it's it's really nice. No, a lot of those shows are all the same and it's all the yes. like, basic commentary. So that's super cool. And the people making the show have made the Bachelor shows. So oh, yeah. it was fun to, the creators of the show were like, I'm tired of working in this in this genre. Let's make fun of this thing that I've had to like pretend is real for so long. So <laughs> yeah. it's it's a comedy show, but it actually people do fall in love too. That's so you cool. get both things. That's awesome, Nikki. It's been fun. Where can people find out more about what you're doing? Um, NikkiGlazer.com. You can check out my tour. I'm on the Good Girl tour right now, all over the country, uh, doing theaters. It is so much fun. Um, come out if you can handle it. And then you can check out my podcast. I have a podcast called the Nikki Glazer Podcast. Um, with iHeartRadio, and it's two times a week, uh, every week, nice. out of my home. Let's yeah. go. Thanks for watching, guys. Huh? First comedian on the show. We did Peace. It.